you know that the the balloon story i think it's interesting because it's a balloon and people are obsessed with it because of that but i am i think it reveals something that's a little more nefarious here if there were balloons passing over the united states when president trump was in office and he says he didn't know about it and and who do we we talked to sean spicer the other day here on this program and sean said hey i've had a top security clearance for 20 some years and um i worked in the trump white house for the first year so i started calling around isn't that what he said adam he said yeah he started calling around to say did you guys hear about a balloon you know maybe i didn't know it maybe maybe i you know, it was above my security clearance, or maybe we just didn't talk about it when he was off doing other stuff. And he said, no one knows about it. So somebody's, I think somebody is lying. Personally, I think that's what's happening, is that this is a political, um, off, the, off the record, let me tell you something. There were balloons when Donald Trump was president, too. So see, it's not that big a deal for Joe Biden, because it was same thing with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump didn't do anything. You know, let me tell you that off the record. Don't use my name, though. And then some reporter decides, hey, I'll run with it. It's a good story. Gets me some attention as a reporter, and I can say it's off the record. Nobody's going to really question me on that. Um, I think that's probably, knowing how this stuff works in D.C. and having faced it myself, I think that's probably what this is, a complete fabrication. But the alternative explanation is that there were balloons when Donald Trump was president, and the individuals who are supposed to brief the president on a daily basis of here are the issues we're dealing with, you should just be aware, you know, we don't need you to do anything at the moment, but you need to be aware that these things are happening. Um, and that's a long list. I mean, th- think about your in your own business. If you're a, a regional manager or the, you're the CEO, you want to know what's going on. Doesn't mean you got to get in the middle of it, but you just want to know. All right, we got a problem down here in this in this region, or you know, the the manager and the assistant manager of the Burger King on Broad Street aren't getting along very well, and that may we we might have to fire somebody. Okay, okay. Well, let me know. Let me know. You know, if you need me to intervene here, and I mean. Think about your own life, what you want to know. In your own family, for goodness sakes. You know, your wife or your husband comes home and says, well, so, uh, little, little Jimmy got in trouble today. Don't go, don't go um, spank him, but I think I've got it under control. You just want to know what's going on. And if the military decided not to include that in the brief for the president, that's a problem. And I do think we have under, uh, uh, uncovered in the last few years an attitude in Washington. And I encountered it. Now, I wasn't the president. I was just a staff person for one senator. Uh, but I was shocked by the kind of nasty attitude of, screw you. We don't have to answer any questions for you <laughs> when, uh, when, when I was working in the Senate. I just didn't like the whole um, – attitude from a lot of people who had been in jobs for 20 years so you know here i show up i was 32 years old at the time working for george allen um granted we were in the majority so that helps when you're in the majority and not the minority but there were people who just kind of blew off things because they figured you know what you're in the majority today but give it two more years you'll be in the minority and who knows your boss might not be it might not be here and you'll be unemployed and i don't have to answer to you i don't i don't even have to deal with you and i think that mindset is 
really, really, really a problem in Washington. Big time problem. Arrogance. And of course, most of these bureaucrats, and I found this out, I hate to tell you this, I found this out when I was working for the Veterans Charity in New York. I just always assumed, oh, veterans, military, they're going to be right of center, right? They're going to be my people. Because why? I mean, God, how could you be a Democrat and be in the military? Or how could you be in the military and be a Democrat is what I should say. Because the Democrats will cut you. They'll, they'll pull the chair out from under you in a heartbeat. So I, I truly don't know how you could be in the military, white, black, female, whatever how you could be in the military and be a Democrat because one party has consistently in my lifetime undermined every military activity that we've ever engaged in. That's the Democratic Party. So I don't understand that. But whatever. There are a lot of people apparently who were in there maybe because they wanted some school loans or some of the benefits. I was kind of surprised by that attitude too when I was working for the veterans group. Uh, But the attitude is I don't have to answer to you. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Republicans. And I don't have to answer to you. And and that's a problem. And I don't think it's just limited to D.C. I think maybe there's some of that attitude here in Richmond with some of the bureaucrats. Maybe. Maybe. I think Amanda Chase, Senator Chase from Chesterfield, would eat up the next hour if I had her on to talk about that. She's very upset with elections in particular in Virginia. And, you know, I have her on pretty frequently. She's very critical. She does not believe that the elections are secure here. I think she would make the claim that there is cheating. And we got to deal with it because it's not helpful. We can't go forward in this state if 25 percent, maybe more of the people who are voting think that these things are rigged. Well, that leads me to my next guest who has the... uh, has the burden of trying to manage all of this now. Uh, Dr. John O'Bannon, who is a former member of the House of Delegates, a a very well-respected doctor here in the Richmond area. I've known him for years. He is now going to be the chairman of the Virginia Board of Elections, is appointed by Governor Yunkin, and he's with us now. So, Dr. O'Bannon, I appreciate you coming on. Congratulations on matriculating up to, to be the chairman and get ready for all the hot potatoes that you have to deal with. How are things? How, how has the welcome been with this announcement? Uh, it's been uh, really gracious and nice. It sounds as if you've got a very busy schedule here over the last few days, and, and so has mine been. Uh, yeah, I think what's important for people to understand is that what we're experiencing now is just an orderly progression or transition with the uh, appointments to the Board of Elections. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Governor Youngkin won the governorship. And uh, elections are through the uh, Secretary of Administration and the Department of Elections. And uh, you've been really good in keeping our feet to the fire. And we have worked very hard to uh, make sure that the elections in Virginia are safe. Uh, We're not Arizona. The machines don't have any wires hooked to them. And... uh, the machines that are there just count the paper ballots. And so mm-hmm. uh, we've also moving forward now that we have a Republican administration and Susan Beals, who is the uh, commissioner for elections over at the department, uh, is working real hard to initiate some things that will make the lists cleaner mm-hmm. uh, and uh, 
deal with some of these risk li- limiting audits that we do after specific mm-hmm. individual elections. So I just remind you that, you know, uh, we now have a different uh, uh, set of folks driving the train. Uh, I'll also tell you, John, that, as you well know, Attorney General Mieris is also laser focused on this. They have an election integrity unit uh, with folks dedicated, and they are interested in hearing a specific, you know, provable uh, complaint or concern, and they will investigate anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm respectful of the people are distrustful, but I think uh, certainly over the last year or two, particularly the last year, folks are much more focused and interested in the election process now. And that's really good. There's much more transparency. Uh, The the fact of the matter is we all expect perfect elections, but they're all run by human beings. And those offices, when you go in to vote on election day, are all your neighbors and friends. So, yes, there will always be some level of concern and risk. But uh, there is not widespread fraud in Virginia, and we will continue to work hard to get it as uh, clean as we can and make it cleaner than it is today. What is on your list, whether it's a short list or a long list, of things that need to be fixed, though? You mentioned um, Susan Beals, who has the administrative role of supervising these elections in Virginia and and has been in, I I don't think... there's been a conflict between Senator Chase and Susan Beals. I mean, I think that goes long. There's a backstory there when they used to work together, so I don't know what the whole deal is there. And it's interesting, just as a little aside, last night I'm at the Virginia Capital Correspondents Association, and I wind up talking to a, I won't, I won't out this person, a, a Democrat legislator who said, hey, I was skeptical of Susan Beals, but every time I've asked a question of her, she calls me directly. She's in my office. She responds in writing if I ask for it in writing. And so my hostility to her has gone away, which I thought, wow, I'm kind of surprised <laughs> to hear someone sharing that with me. But what would you say is on the short list of things that must be addressed going forward? Well, let me, let me address our uh, commissioner and say that when you take any of these jobs, Mm-hmm. Uh, you, your obligation is to drive the truck down the middle of the road. Susan Beals was on the electoral board in Chesterfield. Yeah. She has great credentials, and I think she's doing an excellent job. As far as things that need to get done, let's start at the top. We're, ha- we're at crossover now, and a number of the reforms that uh, the governor's office was interested in, like reinst- reinstituting uh, a photo ID to vote, right. uh, some of the bills individuals introduced to shorten the uh, early voting in person and issues with the drop boxes probably are not going to see the end of the line. That is a legislative issue and will ride with the elections this year for the General Assembly. Right. Uh, more specifically, two things. Veris, uh, which is the old legacy system to keep the voter rolls, is being replaced. Uh, that is is a very complicated system because it interacts with DMV and other uh, entities across the country where you update the list. Mm-hmm. So that will get done uh, and is in process. Uh, the department with Ms. Beals uh, are instituting things to get death records updated more quickly. If somebody who lives in a uh, around the border of the state and winds up in a hospital in North Carolina or Tennessee and passes away, our vital statistics may not get that. 
So interesting. Specific okay. plant, mm-hmm. and we've added. We we cleaned up the rolls as far as felons, and we're uh, we're looking to uh, link up with other uh, entities just to keep the rolls uh, up to date and fresh. And that's a chronic problem that we all you know we've all cited examples of somebody's son or grandson who's. They're actually in an inactive status, so yeah. I don't think there's a great risk they'll vote. But it's it's I, an ongoing. There will always be these. I gotta go, but let me let me ask you real quick before we leave: Is there concern um, about the ballot harvesting? You know, a lot of the Republicans that I've these events I've gone to, they've said, "Look, guys, you've got to get into harvesting. You got to do it legally." And we don't know if the Democrats are doing it legally. Going to uh, African American churches, perhaps, and ballot harvesting through the churches, or going to retirement homes and and nursing homes and ballot harvesting, perhaps not up to the letter of the law, uh, people voting on behalf of other people. Is that something that's in your purview and and can be addressed? You think? So, sure. Uh, the, the challenge is that the, the uh, laws have been changed some, and so. I, I think the public really likes some measure of early in-person voting. That's going to be there. The issue of ballot harvesting, I think, is a real issue, mm-hmm. and it's it's one that uh, both sides should participate in within the limits of the law. Yeah. But you can't have you know people going into nursing homes and getting ballots from folks who can't even talk. So that is something, and if if anybody can get a specific example of that that is actually a felony and i'm sure uh, general miaris would be interested in hearing about that if anybody can get any specific examples of it all right well we need to make the list and then keep on you know monitoring that and i appreciate the fact that as soon as you got named as the chair you were willing to come on and talk with us as always dr john o'bannon the new chair of the virginia board of elections thank you thank you john